Welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast, brought to you by ONTAPSportsNet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to Manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Want to keep the boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh from a.m. to p.m. Go to Manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping and all your manscaping needs. That's manscaped.com. Use promo code ONTAP, all one word, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome back into the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese and Ron Loose with me tonight. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. Gentlemen, good to be back. Hope you guys all had uh, happy holidays, um, very hockey holidays, actually. Um, how are you guys doing? Pretty good, man. Meh? Pretty good. Just Take meh, Ron? Just meh? No, no, meh. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm actually I'm very excited that we're here talking hockey because, you know, obviously today, you know, I know we'll get to it, obviously, but training camp opened. So um, for me, I am starting to get like the night before Christmas kind of jitters about the hockey season being back. So I'm, I'm very excited, actually. I, I've, I haven't been better, um, but now that hockey's been back, I'll be I'll be even more happy now. Um, so it's going to be good shit. Ron's getting the warm and fuzzies there. So oh, yeah. Alan, how about you? You're getting the warm and fuzzies, Ron. I, I love it. I love it. I, I just, I have to take the shot here. Are you happier to be talking Blackhawks right now than Cubs, Ron? That's the <laughs> first question out of the way. I am. I am because I at least knowing what's going to happen going into this hawk season, I'm at least mentally prepared. You know, it's okay. You know, it might be a bad season. It's fine. Um, but yeah, what what's transpired over the last two and a half to three months as a Cubs fan is, uh, oh, I, I, yeah, feels like I got hit with a brick upside my head. So, <laughs> well, I'd like to, I'd like to equate that to what it's going to feel like watching this Hawks team, uh, this year. Uh, but that, that's just me personally. We'll get into that later. Johnny, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, like we were just talking about, uh, before we hit record on this episode, actually got to see Johnny yesterday and we, uh, we pounded a few beers together, and it's always a good time to do that. And we're back at it tonight, so uh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some hockey, Johnny. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, uh, guys, I'm doing well. Like you said, Tony, uh, great times yesterday, a little Sunday fun day action. Um, and obviously training camp started today, so that's going to be a big topic that we're hitting on here, a bunch of new stuff to get to. Um, nice that there's fresh content. Uh, it's not uh, you know very recycled stuff or just kind of speculation. Uh, we got some concrete details to talk about here. Um, so we're going to dive into that, but before we do, um, for the listeners, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star rating and review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So boys, let's jump right in. Uh, as we alluded to training camp began this morning. Um, I'm calling this one stumbling into training camp because, uh, the mm-hmm. very first news we got right off the bat um, was a bunch of guys that are unfit to participate. Um, we got one, Carl Soderberg, uh, will join at a later date. He's held up due to immigration documents. Um, 
Brent Seabrook, Evan Barrett, and Pius Suter were the unfit to participate ones. Uh, Suter was in the building working out, but Seabrook and Barrett not there, um, according to the beat reporters. And then uh, Zach Smith placed on waivers. And then obviously we know of the injuries to Kirby Doc, uh, Alex Nylander. Both of those will likely miss um, the entire season. And then Jonathan Taves, um, with whatever he's dealing with, kind of uh, vague on the description of what he's dealing with right now. But um, a little bit of a rough start to training camp. But I will say it was nice to uh, see the videos from guys like Charlie Emilio to Scott Powers uh, and hear the hockey sounds. Uh, I missed those so much. I don't know about you guys. The sound of skates on the ice and pucks hitting sticks and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, that was that was lovely. Watching Duncan Keith with his majestic flow skate around the ice today, too. Um, he literally looks like a medieval king. Like, I would expect him to be the star in any Game of Thrones spinoff that they do because of that hair and beard look that he's got going on right now. For me, it's just scrolling Twitter and seeing training camp videos from all the beat writers out there. That's what gets me the most excited about this. It's like we haven't seen the Hawks on the ice in any type of practice for months. We haven't seen them play a game in months. Just actually getting to watch anybody from the Hawks on the ice in an Indian head, I think is just that's what got me this morning. That was what got me excited. And uh, I think we've got a lot to dive into with some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, boys. Um, one thing I was a little disappointed about, uh, no bionic Siebes, uh, and I'm sure he will join fairly soon. They say unfit to participate. This is just speculation on my end, but that could have to do with COVID. Um, even if they didn't have it, maybe they were close contacts with people. Um, that could be a reason why they're unfit to participate right now, um, those guys. So I uh, don't want to speculate too, too much, but um, I have a feeling that could be it in Pius Suter, maybe um, just dealing with uh, maybe upper body, lower body ailment. But um, that, that was my take on those. Uh, Zach Smith placed on waivers. Um, thought that was kind of interesting because he was healthy, ready to go. You know, he had the back surgery back in February. Um, didn't join the team when the uh, they resumed for the playoffs uh, in the summer. But then um, Bowman, I believe, said that they're you know looking to make room for uh, younger players. And obviously it's going to be a crowded forward group this year. So um, th- those are just my takeaways uh, from the news section here. Um, but uh, w- one guy who was on the ice, um, this is a pretty big topic news-wise here, is uh, Dylan Strom uh, finally got that deal done. We-, we had said it on previous shows. So if you listen to Four Feathers, this should have been expected. Um, they're going to wait till the last minute because, you know, they- the Hawks had all of the leverage in that situation so uh strom ended up signing two-year deal uh three million annual cap hit um it's a prove it deal um because i think that's you know shorter term than he probably would have liked to sign uh maybe a little less money too um but he says he's fine with betting on himself and then um He's also uh, he was pretty vocal today, and he said that um, he's looking to quiet uh, the critics. So um, th- I thought that was interesting as well. Um, let's fire away thoughts on Th- Strom coming back. Yeah, I think I mean we've kind of nailed the, that number um, on his cap hit. You you mentioned on previous episodes we were we were talking about you know somewhere between two and a half and three and a half with it probably going to fall on you know three million dollars, and it did. I think it's a good number for him. I mean. He has produced in an Indian head sweater. I know a lot of people have their, you know, likes and dislikes about him. Obviously, he's slower than shit compared to a lot of players in the NHL today. But really outside of that, though, he's been a productive, you know, point 
getter for the Hawks. I mean, hell, look at that first year when he came and went on that unreal run where he was, I think, just short of a 60-point player. Um, And then obviously, even last season before he got hurt, I think he was almost on a point-per-game pace. So I think it's a good deal. I think especially given the the nature of the roster right now, obviously you're what probably would have been top two centers are both out. Um, One for sure, you know, probably the whole season. And uh, and the other one, um, obviously, you know, medical condition with Taves. Who the hell knows what's what's going to happen with that? So, um, I think it's good. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a perfect deal for him. And I agree, it's a prove it deal. You know, continue to show that you can produce, and you know, you're worth being a part of this quote unquote next core. You know, and and you'll get rewarded handsomely then for it. So I like the contract for Strom, and I think just in the nature of the Hawks, it's nice knowing that at least have one you know, top six caliber center on the roster right now, uh, considering the fact that, you know, Doc and, and Taves are obviously sidelined. So I like the move, though. I think it was good. But like we said, you know, and like you said, Johnny, it was going to be the last second. And literally, I mean, shit, I think he was probably, you know, lacing up his skates, signing the contract at the same time. He was so <laughs> damn close to the end there. So, yeah. No, he was. It was. Uh, it was you know, when Charlie Romiliotis wrote his uh, kind of takeaways from camp today, he said that, you know, almost without Dylan Strom today, but, you know, uh, got that in at the last minute. Tony, let's hear what you had to say about Dylan Strom. Well, unfortunately, if uh, if Pat Comiskey wasn't deemed unfit to participate in this podcast due to Internet issues, uh, you'd probably get a, a better response or rebuttal. Kind of echo what Ron said here. And a lot of this to me is just you had to like you just you've got to bring him back. I think we knew that that was going to happen long before it did. Um, but, you know, waiting it out to the point where, like Ron said, he's lacing up his skates as he's signing the contract to get out there for train camp. I mean, that's just Smart business by the Hawks. I, I think that uh, when you have the upper hand like that, you have to do it. And, you know, is Dylan Strom going to live up to what Ron wants him to be? I don't know. But will he give you some solid center minutes on a team that doesn't have jack shit right now at all? Yeah, I mean, he will. And so he's going to serve that purpose for this team right now. And I think just the state of the roster gives him somewhat of the upper hand when he's going to bet on himself because – look what else is out there right now. And there's absolutely nothing, especially this year. So he's going to be in the spotlight. And, you know, if he can shine, somebody's going to give him some money. And I think that that's how he's got to look at it. And, you know, I think both of us, or all of us on this show have seen teams in rebuilds. Most recently, us with uh, the Chicago White Sox. Ron, you've, you've lived in Cubs hell for your whole entire life, and you're about to endure another one of these on the north side of Chicago. There's going to be guys out there, and I kind of equate him almost, Johnny, and you'll you'll resonate this one with almost like an Avi Garcia, a guy that's young enough that can still have something in the tank that might be the best player on your roster on certain nights. But he's going to go out there, and he's going to do everything he can to go earn a deal somewhere. So you'll you'll get some solid minutes out of him. That's kind of where I'm at. Indeed. I would agree with that sentiment. Um, I think for the value, um, it's great. For $3 million, uh, Ron, like you had said, that was kind of where we ballparked it, and it landed right in that uh, median there. Um, you're getting what you're paying for, I would say, for the most part with Dylan Storm, unless he completely falls off a cliff. But you would think that's not going to be the case because he's going to have an increased role. Um, today he was skating with the top line. I know it's first day of training camp. Those lines don't mean everything. But when you look at the talent that's there, it, it was uh, to break it on the left wing, Strom center, and then uh, Patrick Kane on the right. Right now, that's your best option uh, offensively. I, so he's, he's going to have that opportunity. That. 
Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, is he the number one center on this roster right now? For offensively, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, uh, by committee when it comes to yeah. defensive responsibilities. Because you look at that line, um, that's some pretty dog shit defense. But again, you also need to score goals to win the game. So, I mean, you got to balance that somehow. And with the injury, you know, obviously you would have Johnny Taves uh, up in the 1C slot in any normal circumstance. But, you know, 2020 and continuing now on to the new year, going to be nothing but um, normal. So um, that's just where we're at. Um, I think it's fine for the value because you just look at, it's easy to rag on Strom for certain aspects of his game, the defensive liability uh, that he, you know, poses. And then also uh, the speed as Ron had mentioned, you know, maybe he's not as hard on the puck as he should be for being that big of a body, but it, in the overall, when you look at, you know, what he did when he came over from the Coyotes in eighteen nineteen, and then um, last year wasn't as uh, outstanding, but still, um, I think you're getting what you're paying for and you're going to need those points. They got to come from somewhere uh, unless you're trying to get shut out every game, which uh, I hope that's not the case. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm fine with it. Kind of exactly what we expected uh, in terms of uh, term and uh, the actual hit on the cap. So um, I think we can move on uh, to the next bit of news here. And that's uh, game times were announced today. We had a schedule before when they laid out um, when teams would be playing against each other, but they didn't have the exact times Uh, today. uh, The Blackhawks uh, got news that they will be playing on opening night, 7 PM central time uh, against Tampa Bay. So uh, that'll be exciting kind of in that primetime slot there on NHL's opening night. And then uh, another notable thing is that no home game will start later than 7 PM. A lot of them are right on the dot at seven. Some of them earlier at six, you know, one of those great six o'clock starts on a Sunday night, uh, a couple matinees in the afternoon, but home games, nothing after seven. I believe the latest game they'll play is a few at Dallas uh, as they have some 7.30 start times. But um, Ron, I know you're happy about that. Oh, it's magical. I, I remember, you know, we would do those West Coast games and it'd be one, two in the morning and, you know, you and Tony would be on doing doing the podcast and then having to get back up for work in a couple hours. So that'll be nice, I think, this year. Just, you know, more just I think it's just more time people are used to as well. You know what I mean? Like everybody, especially in Chicago, is just like, all right, seven o'clock, talkie time. You know what I mean? Now it's not like a, oh, the Hawks play tonight. Where are they at? Edmonton. Oh, son of a bitch. It's going to be a 930 start. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's just so nice. And I'm sure the guys will appreciate it too, right? I mean, for sake of just how the season's going to go, it's going to be weird as it is, especially playing different opponents and, um, you know, kind of these two game sets, almost like a baseball type schedule. Uh, in that manner because of the the travel and trying to you know restrict as much travel as possible um i'm sure these guys will appreciate you know hey it's gonna be very standard we're not playing any super late games you know we're gonna we're gonna play what we're most accustomed to and um you know hopefully that means some good performances and you know especially for a lot of these guys that are auditioning for you know their futures in this organization so I had a couple of points before I turn it over to Tony. One was that um, it'll be nice because there's going to be injuries that, you know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And there's going to be probably some positive COVID tests. That's probably going to happen. We've seen it in every sport. Um, but this, at least the scheduling of it, gives those guys more of an opportunity to get into um, kind of a routine. So I think that's good for the players. But on the counterpoint of that, um, Tony and I, we are kind of uh, night owls. Um, they, and we, we are... Uh, used to um, being up late and doing those. So, Tony, I'll let you uh, take it away on that front. Man, you probably saw me waving my arms here as I'm on mute. <laughs> you just stole my whole my whole point. But I'll, 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 I was going to say, I was going to kind of deliver sort of what some might consider a meatball take, but I feel like there's two types of fans in the world, Johnny, in the world of sports. And the first fan is the guy that is going to watch his team 
no matter what time of day they play. If they're going to be playing at 3 a.m. overseas, there's that fan who's going to watch that game. Then there's the other type of fan uh, that just watches their team when they can. They don't make it an appointment-based viewing no matter what it is. And I'm, I am I am a night owl, as Johnny kind of just mentioned. If my team's playing at 9.30, you damn well know, I don't care if I've got to be up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to have to suffer because this is what I do. And, and that, that might make me, I don't know, die a few years earlier someday down the road. But at least I'm dying with honor, you know, and that's, that's how I feel. I'm going to still drink the same amount of beers. <laughs> I'm still going to watch the game the same way as if I was watching it at 5 p.m., 7 p.m., 9.30. And to me, also, as a father, I think the 9.30 starts for the Hawks, especially when the when the Hawks were going on their cup runs in you know, 2013, 2015, and I had young kids, I really appreciated the 9.30 starts on the coast because like that would be like the three hours that I would have, you know, a newborn sleeping. And so like, I just kind of got ingrained into that, uh, you know, 930 starts are better, you know, and then as your kids get a little bit older, now they're in bed and you can watch the game in peace. So I, I feel for all the guys out there that are trying to tune in at seven o'clock and that's bedtime. So I, 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 I'm going to miss the 930 starts. That's just me. You can put me in that camp. Yeah, I, I would have, you know, I like the occasional ones. I, I always kind of enjoyed the circus trip back when they did that. Um, it was kind of like a week of like you plan it out and be like, all right, it's going to be a late night, you know, kind of week uh, here. But, um, you know, de- teach their own, you know, it just depends on your own personal schedule. But uh, all those times, as we were, you know, kind of kicked this thing off with, uh, all those times, if you go uh, to the Four Feathers Pod Twitter account, we retweeted Ben Pope, uh, put together a little graphic that has all of them in there. So you can go and see those um, that we retweeted on our timeline. So, uh, yeah, that about does it for news. So let's kind of get into some more topics here. Um, obviously, a lot of... Uh, position battling going on um, here. So I just wanted to start with which newcomers are you most excited to watch this year? Um, We'll kind of relegate the goalie out of this one because yes, it's going to be different than Corey Crawford, but we already knew all of these guys before they'd been either in the AHL or, you know, Subban's case, just riding pine last year. Um, So let's go with the forward and defenseman. You're most excited to watch can be anyone prospect to uh, signing or um, acquisition in a trade. Ron. Yeah, I mean, for forwards, uh, it's a good group to, to pick from. Uh, I definitely say there's definitely more than one guy that I'm looking forward to. John, I know you and I obviously talked at length about guys like Janmark and Walmark and, you know, seeing what they're going to bring to the table. Um, I think a guy like Pius Suter, you know, fits into that realm as well. Uh, I'm most excited, though, for Evan Barrett. Uh, I think Evan Barrett's going to be fun. John, I know you watched a lot of him. You're watching Friday Night College Hockey. Um, I think he's just... It's going to be weird having two Andrew Shaws potentially on the roster at one time because he plays that very point, similar yeah. style. You know what I mean? So um, I think he's going to be fun to watch. I- I'm-, I'm excited to see kind of his development. Um, you know, today, obviously, the AHL announced that they are going to have a season. It's going to be like minimum, I think, 24 games at least. So there's going to be some level of developmental hockey. So if he's not up, you know, with the Hawks. He can at least get some time in Rockford, and and, and that'll also be fun to watch. Uh, from the defenseman side, obviously it's a you know a smaller group of guys, but I think it's kind of an easy answer here, and it's it's got to be Ian Mitchell, right? I mean, <laughs> I, he's been so advertised by this you know front office since the kid was drafted. I mean, you you wouldn't you wouldn't think he was the second round pick in that draft, 
and Yoki Haru was the first round pick because, you know, he, they've just raved about Mitchell for so many years. And, you know, Stan saying that he could have gone pro last season and him returning to Denver was just because he was named captain and, you know, this, that and so forth. So I'm excited to see him, you know, jump in and, and, you know, truly see what he can do. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that think they know what he's going to be, but in kind of total fairness from a professional hockey standpoint, we don't know what he's going to turn into. So I think that alone is, um, you know, the hype and the excitement around him as a player, I think is where I'm at. So probably Barrett and Mitchell are probably the two for me uh, of that group that you got listed. I'll stick with the defenseman right away. And I think, uh, Ron, you hit the nail on the head there, Ian Mitchell, um, you know, just most exciting prospect that we've seen come through the system. Uh, he's got the build up. He's got the hype. Uh, let's hope he can play. Uh, at an elite level and start to just start to take over the defense. Johnny wrote an excellent article about Boquist taking over the power play um, this season a couple weeks ago. I think Mitchell's in that camp too, where you want to see this young core defenseman uh, start to mold together a little bit. Like you did see Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook do that back in the day. So I think this is going to be a very important year for the passing of the torch for the defense, so to speak. I want to see both those guys getting a lot of minutes, uh, Mitchell being the the newcomer here. Uh, From the forward group, I mean, there's there's just a lot of names. Some of them I can't pronounce, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Carl Soderberg can clear up his visa issues. That's what I'm more or less looking forward to because I don't know who the hell is going to be playing center if Taves is out for the entirety of the season. A uh, good point on Soderberg. I just, uh, threw it into our group chat. I was watching NHL Network a little bit earlier and saw that um, Kasperi Kapanen for Pittsburgh is dealing with visa issues as well. And they already announced that he's going to miss uh, opening night for the Penguins. And then same with Anton Kudobin, uh, goalie down in Dallas. So uh, just to follow up on yours there, Tony, on Soderberg, um, they could be missing him. Uh, for the early stages of the season, which would suck. But, uh, yeah, that, that is a newcomer because that he was basically the emergency signing, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as they found out that Doc was going down and then they probably had some knowledge of Taves before they announced it um, officially, publicly. So that, that was kind of like the backup signing there, just kind of value one year, one million, get you through the season. Um, that'll be interesting. But for me, I'll go young guys. Ron, you kind of stole it. I love Evan Barrett, love his game. Um, always like watch him at Penn State. A uh, good point about, you know, two Andrew Shaw's potential on the ice just with the style that he plays um but for me um lucas walmark ron i think we talked about that ad nauseum on one of the podcasts and i wrote an article about it as well um, but i really think he could be what was my bold prediction he will be the best value signing uh mm-hmm. value free agent signing in all of the nhl because he's only signed for like 850k uh which i think is ridiculous for the amount of points that'll put up so that's why i say value what you're paying for how many points you get and the defensive responsibility that he brings so i'm excited for him and then another name in the forward group would be um pious Suter. yeah i feel like he's been raved about pretty much um all off season and uh, maybe not as highly touted as some guys that you like draft or whatever because he's an international signing but uh Suter is essentially has a spot in the bottom six um, when I'm just looking at the talent levels coming in here. Um, so that, that's what they tabbed him for. And then uh, Mate Halupa, last name is spelled Chalupa. So I just can't wait to see that jersey on the ice. Uh, Chalupa. <laughs> I hope Taco Bell is the sponsor then on the helmet for the Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> on the on the back end, um, the easy one, you guys took Ian Mitchell. I don't need to elaborate on that anymore. He's probably going to see the most out of those real young ones. But uh, Nikita Zadorov, um, he's just going to be fucking hammering guys. That's what he does. He looked impressive uh, in camp, just in drills today. We played against him a ton uh, when he was in Colorado, so excited to see him. And then I'll uh, tack on just as a kind of a wild card, Wyatt Kalinuk. 
Um, he They signed him. He was a Flyers draft pick. Ended up staying at Wisconsin for, I believe, his full four years. So he's got all that development there. And he's a very puck-moving defenseman. So if some of these guys slip up. You get some injuries, positive COVID tests. Um, I, I think you can trust Wyatt Kalinuk throwing him in there more so even than a Nick Bodine or a Lucas Carlson at this point. So that's where I would go um, with my most excited. Only newcomer goalie is Cale Morris. All the other guys were uh, in the system. Austin uh, Blackhawks D-Zone did a nice breakdown on Morris. So you can go and listen to the previous episode um, of Four Feathers Podcast if you want more on Cale Morris. So, Ron, you wrote an article just earlier today before we record mm-hmm. this podcast um and it was uh storylines to keep an eye on what to watch for during the blackhawks 2021 season you can go and find that article at ontapsportsnet.com uh but i want you to elaborate a little bit and we can kind of take this bullet point um and all the headings that you wrote about in there um let's start with tryouts uh what, what are we looking for yeah i mean tryouts right it's going to be a crazy year um as mentioned you know not only from an injury and a health standpoint of the roster but uh, also, you know, it's a it's a down year. You know, it's going to be a down year. This is a year to let the young guys play. See what you got in some of these guys, because there's a good chunk of these kids that, you know, this front office is excited about that. They don't really know what they're going to do at the NHL level yet. Hell, they might not even know what they're going to do at the pro level yet. And I look at two guys like Ian Mitchell and Evan Barrett, who we just discussed. You know, both guys played in college extensively. You know, they haven't played any professional hockey yet. So seeing those guys, you know, get a shot at the, at the, at the show this year, even for, you know, a couple games here, a couple games there, uh, is going to be key, you know, and, and, and it's going to count for guys like Mackenzie Entwistle, uh, guys like, um, Brandon Hagel, I think will get an extended look, especially after uh, having a little bit of time at the end of the past season. Uh, I'm sure we'll see, you know, Bodine again. I'm sure we'll see plenty of Carlson, um, you know, Mitchell, so on and so forth. So it's going to be a tryout year. You know, it's going to be it's going to be the time for these young guys to really step up and you know show what they can do uh, going forward now in the future. Yeah, um, my thought on tryouts was uh, I know a lot of focus is going to go to the defenseman and the young defenseman. Yes, that is very important. Um, but I'm actually going to be watching the forwards a little bit closer because, uh, like Ron said, I think there's going to be a little more cycling there, and you just have all these options that you're unsure of what they're going to do at the pro level um stealing all of your words there ron but it's true it's the truth and that's uh there is going to be a lot obviously there's just more forward spaces on the roster um mm-hmm. so a lot of these guys bring different kind of skill sets you know like mckenzie whistle's a real nice passer but then you get a more physical guy and someone like brandon hagel so um i'll be interested to see uh, what they value in those tryouts so uh ian mitchell and adam boquist um i'll start off with just um it looked pretty good i mean they didn't do specific running actual power plays but after that first group was done on the ice today uh they went the a bunch of them went down your top unit i guess you could say went down to the other end of the ice and no defenders or anything but they were just passing the puck around moving it like a power play and i was very happy to see adam boquist running the point on that so um i'll turn it over to you ron (laughs) yeah no and that's exactly something i brought up in the article and reference you know reference your article as well um but just letting these two guys play you know ian mitchell and adam boquist let them let them learn on the fly let them fail it's okay if they fail it's not the end of the world if they make a mistake that's how they're going to learn um and again in what we've said you know in a season that's probably going to be a snoozer in terms of wins for this this team you might as well let these guys fail let them go out there and learn because it's only going to help their development in the long run and if you know if everything goes well there's a very realistic possibility that ian mitchell and adam bokfus are the next you know keith and seabrook in terms of they are going to anchor that back end for the next decade plus potentially so um i think it's a big year for both of those guys and i'm excited to see their development i mean i i, I like i said i've kind of come to peace with the i'm going to be i mean just like tony mentioned earlier in in the show i'm going to still be a 
just pissed and yelling at the TV when they lose. But I'm still going to be able to, I think, and sit back and enjoy it a little more this year because of knowing guys like Mitchell and Bokefist watching their development, seeing some of these young kids come out in the tryouts, you know, some new faces, things like that, I think will still be very enjoyable. And, you know, arguably the Ian Mitchell and Bokefist, you know, kind of hype is might be one of the biggest storylines going into this year, because how are these guys going to develop in this 56 game season? You know, and, and what is that going to mean for them in the long run? Yeah, uh, Tony, I think this kind of blends into a point that uh, you, you had just touched on briefly, but if you want to expand on it, um, passing the torch, you use that term. I like that a lot. Um, what do you think the veteran guys on the back end will be able to offer to uh, guys like Mitchell and Boquist this year? Well, I, I think the number one thing that they have to kind of instill in them is just their work ethic and their toughness. You're talking about Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Is there two guys in the NHL over the last decade, if you're a new defenseman with top prospect pedigree uh, that you would want to come in and learn from, I think those guys right there, three Stanley Cups between them, uh, that's exactly who I'm signing up to go learn from. If you can find a mentor, uh, that's what you're looking for. And you've got two of them together. And, and there's Ian Mitchell and Adam Boquist just sitting there waiting in the wings. Uh, there is so much experience, knowledge, how to carry yourself day to day being an NHL player. Um, and I think Keith and, and Seabrook, what they've not only done on the ice, but off the ice in the Chicago Blackhawks organization has also been important too. Um, so you've got the complete package right there of basically how to carry yourself as a top talent NHL player in a big city. Uh, you don't get that very often, um, especially during rebuilds where normally you're trading away guys like Keith, Seabrook, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. We haven't really even talked too much in depth about that, but these guys have the opportunity to learn from some of the, the best NHL players of the last decade, and they still have them on the roster as you're entering, entering a rebuild uh, era, I guess, here for the Blackhawks. I think that that's going to be something that's going to be invaluable to both of them. Uh, if you want to get into like specific hockey stuff, uh, you know, just, man, uh, Quarterback in the power play, Johnny. I mean, we haven't seen the biggest uh, or the best power play from the Hawks in, in quite a while. But some of those skills and on-ice things that Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook were able to do six, seven years ago are still skills that they can help work on and pass on to guys like Ian and Anna Boquist. Uh, you know, not only that, just just league knowledge, what's going on with other teams, scouting stuff that they've looked at how to handle themselves in this era because there there is going to be a passing of the torch uh, like I mentioned and if if it's going to be successful I think that uh, both Ian Mitchell and Anna Boquist need to be like sponges and soaking up every little just drip of information that they can get out of either of those guys yeah uh, one hockey specific thing I'd love to see Brent Seabrook teach the stretch pass that he always did so well yep. um, back in his kind of prime so um, that, that's what I'd be looking for there. Um, like I said, this is all beginning of training camp. So this isn't set in stone or anything, but just relaying what I saw today. Um, Nikita Zadorov paired with Adam Boquist. Um, you had uh, Calvin DeHaan paired with Ian Mitchell and then uh, Keith and Murphy, which you could kind of throw out there as your first pair. I mean, you're talking about your best defenseman on the team. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Like I said, go I've, and check I've four got- yeah, I would say go and yeah. check the Four Feathers Pod Twitter account. We'll retweet all the updates and what they're pairing as training camp rolls on. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, Tony. I've got one other thing to comment on the defense as it relates to Mitchell and Boquist. They're not going to be 
looked at as the top guys right out of the gate for this team. And I think that that's important. You have some other solid defensemen. You've brought in Zadarov, and he is yeah, – What I, I, I almost regret not mentioning him when you talked about players you're most excited for. Uh, just watching some of the clips from, from his work today uh, looks pretty solid out there. And I think uh, uh, Ron and, and uh, Pat Kamiski and Johnny, even you, have, we've all talked about this in our group chat, how everybody's going to love him. and Austin was ecstatic. Uh, Blackhawks D zone was ecstatic when we acquired him. Uh, so that says something. And he looks at defensemen way more in depth than I, I know I do. And I think anybody else on the show um, from that aspect, I'm really excited to see him. So you're going to have so much depth here that we're not used to. And that's going to allow guys like Mitchell and Boquist to make mistakes and, and, and for it to be okay somewhat because there is no goaltending behind it. That's my only preface there. <laughs> But we're not yeah. trying to win. We're not trying to win, essentially. So you can let these guys develop in a system that has. It's sad to say it, but I think more defensive depth than we're used to. Oh yeah, there's depth is just unproven. I think that's a for the most part. I mean, you have your legitimate guys in Murphy and Keith and uh, Zadorov and Dahan, so that's a solid base right there. But those other spots are just going to be baptism by fire spots. That's what I'm going to call them. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, let's move on. We don't need to spend too much because we basically know uh, one word to describe this as bad, and that is regarding the goalie situation. Um, just uh, I'll just offer a prediction to start it off. I think uh, Calendalia gets a net on night one. Um, I'd be disappointed if it's Malcolm Subban. So any thoughts, uh, goalie situation? I agree with the Delia. I think it should be Delia. He's the highest paid goaltender in the organization right now. I think a lot of people forget that because he is making a million bucks a year. Um, and he's also the guy that prior to this offseason was the only one under contract past, you know, this last 2020 or, you know, 2019, 2020 season that we had. So I would, yeah, I would fully expect Colin Delia uh, to man the net. I agree. I'd be a little disappointed if it's Subban. Uh, I think Subban probably gets game two uh, if I had a guess. Um, and then honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln had got game three and they just kind of throw them all in there and say, Hey, whoever's going to play the best, we'll ride with you as long as we can. So, um, but I agree. I think it should be Colin Dealey in that one. Can we like come up with some sort of drinking game as it relates to Blackhawks goaltending this year? Because I think it would make, uh, watching Blackhawks hockey a lot more fun. I, I'm trying to set like the, the, when you drink here and I'm trying to work through it in my head. And one thing that comes to mind is if you think Corey Crawford would have stopped that puck. You drink. Um, <laughs> so that's just that's just baseline where I'm at right now. We're even more hammered than usual. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work through this, but I'm gonna put it on a side note. Now we'll come back to it before the season starts. I, I think I think a good one to have in there too is uh, give up a soft goal that makes you want to throw your beer at the television. You just need to finish your beer so you can throw your can at the TV. I think that, that one shot worthy. That might be shot worthy. <laughs> I'm trying to get like, you know, a sponsorship, there you go. some sort of alcohol provider for this. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, but we can make, we can make whoever that is a lot of money. Cause I can promise you the Blackhawks goaltending drinking game brought to you by four feathers is going to inspire people to drink copious amounts of alcohol. Yes, it will. And especially if we start, you know, instituting rules, like, you know, take, you know, a sip of beer every 10 shots that your goalie faces. Cause we also know the Hawks are going to give up a lot of shots this season too. Um, so you're getting very dangerous. Oh, I know that's the point though. Like you said, it's going to make Blackhawks hockey a lot more fun to watch and you might need an entire 24 pack to get through it, but that's okay. Hashtag that's crack. Yeah, we, 
Exactly. We, we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do here to make this um, bearable for ourselves as fans and podcasters here, guys. So I, I really like that idea, Tony. Um, in summary, I'll pull a uh, socks on tap shtick out here. The goalie situation this year is bad. Okay. Yep. Okay. Very good. Okay. Let's move on. Move on to something a little more fun, though. Andrew Shaw, healthy back, skating, practicing, uh, full participation, no limitations. Great to see. Um, we all love the mutt. I don't know any Blackhawks fan that really, you know, unless you get really analytical, um, then nobody really dislikes him uh, because he just has so much heart. Uh, he loves the game. He was so excited to get back out there. He'd been posting about it on his Instagram uh, for months leading up to it um, of him, you know, pictures of him in the locker room, uh, getting out and skating and then, you know, working out and uh, now finally back on the ice. So um, excellent to see him. But health is obviously going to be the big question uh, mark with him. So, Ron, I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, you nailed it. I think that's going to be the most exciting part with him to watch is just, you know, what what version of Andrew Shaw are we going to get? Is he going to be a changed player? Maybe, you know, maybe the the days of him flying around and throwing his head through walls is kind of done. And we see, uh, you know, I think the same type of player still where he's going to go balls of the walls and, you know, give you 110 percent on every shift. That's just his play style. But, you know, maybe we do see more of an Andrew Shaw, you know almost become like a you know Brandon Sod-esque player and I'm not saying maybe necessarily defensively responsible but just from like uh, going into the corners you know just full steam ahead all the time but maybe not trying to kill people anymore I think I think he gives up fighting I don't think you're going to see him fight anymore because I'm if I'm correct I think that's what gave him the concussion wasn't it a fight last season that knocked him out then for the whole year yeah, it might have been. It was a game against the Avs on Black Friday um, in 2019. Yeah. I just remember that game, and, uh, you know, they got smoked, and, of course, Shaw mm-hmm. didn't play a game that season after. So, yeah, could have been, Ron. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I would agree that fighting uh, was probably gone from this game. And uh, just as a little note, he's wearing a visor for the first time in his career yeah. before he went uh, visorless, so that could uh, be a sign that uh, the fights are a thing in the past, and that's probably smart for him uh, in the long term. Tony, I know you love Andrew Shaw, so let's hear it. You guys just made me so fucking depressed there. Like, talking about, like, a reduced version of Andrew Shaw. I I just don't like to see that. I don't like to hear it. And and yet, as you're making these points, I'm starting to think, like, here's a dude who used to go balls to the wall, would use his head to fucking put a puck in the net, doesn't care about the concussion. And now you've got an older, more mature uh, Andrew Shaw, that's a father on a rebuilding team, not going to uh, have Stanley Cup aspirations this year. And it makes me a little worried, not going to lie, uh, what version of Andrew Shaw you're going to get. Uh, I would hope that there's still some fire there. Uh, Johnny, you mentioned he's really excited to get back out on the ice. But Andrew Shaw made his money being the mutt, being the guy that gets underneath people's skin, being the guy that gets into those fights, being the first guy in the, in, in the scruff being the first guy out there to defend somebody. Um, you know, and I, I think about this from, you know, another, uh, like mentorship standpoint, like what's he going to do for the young guys on the team? Cause I look at him right now as, as one of your veterans, one of your guys that's been there, done that. Um, and I feel like one of the biggest things is you lead by example. And when you guys talk about him, you know, not going out there to fight, not doing what Andrew Shaw has done in the past to make himself successful. And not only that, his team successful. It makes me feel like if he's not going to go out there and give you that level of effort, that level of Andrew Shawness that you're going to get, what's he doing here? And I, th- I think I questioned that. And I came to that realization about five minutes ago, not even. 
I think it's going to be a different look. Um, it's not going to be, you know, night and day. He's not turning into, um, you know, pretty boy overnight. He's still, you know, going to go into the corners. But I think some of the reckless stuff, um, maybe reduce penalties, perhaps. That could be a benefit. That, that, might, that, this, be so. a, that might be a benefit yeah. for the yeah. So um, other than that, the only uh, thing that I had, Ron, I'll steal yours uh, from the article since you didn't bring it up. I thought you were going to, but um, he will probably get an elevated role and probably better served on the wing. These are Ron Luce's words, not mine. But uh, with the absence of those top line centers, um, you know, Shaw has a little bit of a scoring touch to him. Um, we've seen it in years past. We, we know what he can do. He did it pretty well with the Canadians, too, uh, when he went up there to Montreal. So um, he could be elevated to a 2C role at some point um, in the season. I don't think that's out of the realm possibility just with where they are say Soderberg is still dealing with visa issues early on hey you never know um so that was my uh, last thing on Andrew Shaw though um you guys made a lot of good points so let's uh move on to uh Debrinket um and you know it's going to be big for him because entering the big money season uh what are you four six is that his cap hit six um, four yeah six four, excuse me i'm dyslexic here today uh six four cap hit um yeah and it's uh it was down year last year no doubt about it he scored 41 goals in 18 19 and then what he logged 18 last year Total. 18. So, um, I, for me personally, I'm a, I'm a believer in Alex to I've seen, uh, I've told you guys plenty of times. I've seen this guy fall to his ass, get squished in between two defenders and still snipe top shelf, uh, glove side, um, on a goalie. So I think the shot is too good for him not to rebound. And that'll be one of my predictions for this year. Uh, when we air it out. Um, I, I think Alex to has a big bounce back season this year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And, um, you know, just quickly, and this kind of ties in with the Shaw point as well, but, you know, in a shortened season, 56 games, so you figure good seasons, you know, 10 goals would equate to, you know, 10 to 15 goals gives you, you know, probably 20 in a normal 82 season. I think a guy like Shaw gets you to, you know, that 15 mark. And I think a guy like Debrinket gets you well over 20. Uh, he's got to. I mean, here's the thing with Debrinket is is for me, I think at least is in terms of when I was writing it. Now, I, I kind of was having trouble with it just personally because I'm like, well, he didn't really fall off. The goals fell off. His production didn't. He still, I think, had like 46 points in 70 games before the stoppage. And then I, I did mention his playoff stats. I mean, the kids still put up, what, six points in nine games? I mean, that's still pretty impressive numbers. It's just he's doing more now on the, the assist side of things. He's setting plays up more. And I think a lot of that was is, hey, I scored 41 goals last year. You know I can score. Teams are giving him a little more, you know, I think attention maybe now than they they were in that first season because they're like, oh, he's the little shrimp. Nobody's going to care. And then he goes and pops 41 goals and everybody's like, oh, shit, we actually have to worry about this guy. Um, I, I just would like to see him just score more. I mean, that's all it is. I, I want him to – I like the fact that the assists have come from where they have because if I remember correctly, uh, he – I just looked today, so this is why it's fresh in my head. But he had 41 goals. I want to say he had 35 assists. Um which, yeah, because that would have been good for 76 points, and that's what he had that season. So, you know, he had more, he was the he was the true sniper, right? He was the goal scorer. Yeah, he'd get his assists, but he was there to score goals. I think now you're going to, I want to just see a more balanced version, right? I, I want to see that goal number creep up, but I still want to see those assists happen because then he's truly growing into a playmaker and not just a true sniper. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. And as you mentioned too, it's your big money season. You had a bit of a down year last year after guaranteeing yourself that big contract now you just got to go out there and show people why stan was willing to pay you six four per season i mean if he goes out there and he earns the six four nobody's going to question it so i think that's the yeah. biggest thing for the for to break it this season i don't think it's like a hey you just totally sucked last year you need a rebound it's just like a hey 
you know, we want to see you become that kind of complete playmaker for this team. It's what you're paying for, you know, that you want that value to live up to the dollar amount. You know, that's that's the end all be all, I think, at the end of the day, when you're looking at it from a business aspect. Uh, One more point, though, that I had to back up. I think the um, goal total will uh, start to creep back up around this year because um, look at your first line here and we don't, you know, Doc's pretty much out the whole year. We don't know a timeline on Taves or anything, Um, but you'd have to imagine for majority of the year, uh, you know, there's always a chance of a line blender, but I would say for the majority of the year, you're probably playing opposite Patrick Kane. Who else better but to set you up, you know? So uh, that's a factor that goes into my uh, kind of prediction there. Tony, thoughts on the cat? You know, this is a guy that I talked about last year a lot. And I wanted to see him on the score sheet. I feel like when we played stick to click every single fucking time I picked this guy, he would just come up empty. And Ron, you, you hit on the point that I was going to get after is the fact that I feel like the league kind of adjusted to Alex to and was able to shut him down um, pretty effectively, but he did adapt in his game a little bit to change and still wind up on the score sheet. Just maybe not as the goal scorer. Um, and try and set some stuff up. So it'll be interesting to see for me how he adapts to the way that he was played in his sophomore season, so to speak. Because uh, you're getting into a point now where uh, if you're Alex Dabrinkit, uh, you're you're approaching that veteran status in the NHL, and you need to make it uh, a point that you are an effective player long term. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see that. I feel like he didn't get as many opportunities to score from his area on the ice last year. And I I just, I don't know if that was a byproduct of him not going there or the way he was covered, but it'll be interesting to see if he can get into that, that slot area and fire off those shots that he's just so known for um, and and get that job done there. But um, I think that this is probably the biggest year of his career because he could be a top six forward goal scoring phenom, or he could be just your average guy who's undersized who people are a little bit afraid to take a chance on. So I think that this is going to be a big year for him. Again, prove it year. I, I, I think he's going to step up and, uh, and get the job done, though. I think we might see him lead this team in goal scored, potentially, within the next two years. Excellent points all around. Uh, one last thing to close out to bring it here. Uh, he got very unlucky last year, um, shot a very low percentage, uh, but was still getting a shot. So uh, fix that aim, get to your right spot. And uh, I think we could see that turn around. So all factors of what's going into my prediction there. Uh, let's move on to another guy that I'm kind of uh, worried about a drop off. Ron, I wanted, I'd like to think that my uh, comments in the Twitter group chat uh, inspired this section of your article. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, what did I compare him to? A Dick Panic level of drop off. Um, the, the, at least the threat of that potential of that happening. I don't think it will be as drastic. I don't, but I can see it. Um, you know, we talk about guys adjusting to, to bring it uh, def- defensive uh, formations around him. Same thing could be uh, for Kubelik. They know the one timer now um, they could adjust to him. So, uh, but th- this topic is on Dominic Kubelik and uh, showing that his first year's rookie season uh, wasn't a fluke. So uh, Ron, go ahead. Yeah, and exactly like you said, I mean, there's always a concern for a sophomore slump with any player. You know, teams learn more about you. They adjust to you in the NHL. We were just talking about it, Tony Epipoli, about Debrinkets. kind of the same scenario. I think the big key for Kubalik, though, you know, maybe, and this is why I think going back to your Dick Panic reference, I think this is why I'm not as concerned about that level of a, a fall off or even maybe anything in the, even the same echelon. I just, because he has a proven track record, right? Panic came. 
everybody kind of knew what he was. He was kind of that AHL NHL tweener for a long time. He really couldn't stick in Tampa. You know, he was a high draft pick, or I think he was at least like a top three round draft pick. He might have been a fourth rounder, but nonetheless, there was a lot of hype around him when he was a prospect in Tampa. He bounced around a little bit, came to the Hawks, had a really nice season. Everybody's like, oh, is he tapped into that potential? And then he kind of regressed a little bit. And I think that's why people were scared. Kubelik was consistently leading the, his you know European league over in the Swiss league and scoring each year and led the league in points before he came and signed with the Hawks. Another reason that a guy like Pia Suter that maybe isn't getting the amount of talk this season that he was last year, kind of in the same camp as Kubelik, led that same league in points just this past season, um, you know, in their last full season of play. He was the leading scorer. So I think, you know, I think knowing that Kubelik has that ability to score and he's done it previously, um, I think it's going to be great. I'm really intrigued. I would say the biggest thing, and this wasn't in the article, but I think this is a good discussion point, is, you know, where is Kubelik a I don't want to call him a Brandon Saad light and you'll see where I'm going with this does he produce best playing with Jonathan Taves or can he produce with other people because if you noticed his production skyrocketed once they put him with Taves and you know he went from that third line wing to that first line wing and all of a sudden the goals started coming right and that's how he gets his you know his 30 and 68 games I'm really intrigued to see what happens where maybe he's playing with a Carl Soderberg at center or an Andrew Shaw, like we mentioned, maybe he's elevated. Or if they hit the line bunder, maybe a Dylan Strome. You know, show me that you can still be the goal scorer you are with lesser players as your centerman. And then I think we're all going to sit here and go, yeah, he's a part of the long-term future. And that 3.7 for this year, next year is a steal. Um, so I think that's going to be something I'm really curious to watch. And again, it's a what to watch for. And I think that's going to be a big storyline with Kubelik is, hey, are you just really good with playing with Jonathan Taves? Which is fair. They had great chemistry. you know. Or you are you truly that special of a player? And you've just now shown that you were just needed an opportunity to play more meaningful minutes and situations to get your goals. Well, all questions that we'll see answered on the ice. So uh, really looking forward to that. One counter counterpoint myself here, because I'm the one that brought up the concern of the slump and, you know, the whatever, the drop off, all that. Uh, one thing that I like that kind of negates that, um, and he does this much better than Richard Panic ever did, he's got good hand-eye coordination. Um, you know, get his greasy goals out front and get those on the rebound too. Um, and we all know redirect goals are cool and tough. Uh, and we know Dominic Kubli can do that. So, uh, and he can hit him baseball style too, uh, as we saw against Tampa. So, um, the, Tony, I'll hand it over to you. Uh, yeah, uh, Kubalik, I think, Ron, uh, just to, to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying there, uh, unfortunately for him, or maybe fortunately for him, he's not going to get the opportunity right off the bat to skate with Jonathan Tapes and have that line. Uh, I, I don't foresee uh, us opening the season and, and those two paired together just based on uh, what we know about Jonathan Tapes right now. Uh, however, uh, I, I do want to set a preface, though, Ron, that I would I would kind of argue that you have to look at that a little bit differently because when you have players like Kane or Taves on your team, they are going to positively affect anybody. So when when we look at Kubelik and we actually evaluate what player he is, we shouldn't be looking at him from the light of, is he playing on a top-line center with a bunch of top-line players? We do have to find that median value for him. And I think we will get that answer regardless this year. What is he? Is he a guy that can carry a line on his own? Or is he reliant on other people? And I also don't think that we we have to write him off just because he is somebody that, that isn't as good as what we thought he was when he had Jonathan Taves as his center. Because I think that, like you mentioned, 
he does have a track record of scoring. He does have a track record of putting the puck in the back of the net. But if he comes out here this year and he's still getting some opportunities, maybe he's not capitalizing on all of them, but he's he's getting his opportunities and you know he's skating on a line for whatever reason with Kampf or it's Carl Soderberg or whoever it is, he's not going to get the same amount of scoring ops that he would with a Jonathan Taves. And I think that people need to kind of take that into account when we evaluate what we're getting out of him this year because you're going to have let's be frank a shittier Blackhawks team than you than you had last year what we saw when we beat the Edmonton Oilers you're going to have a reduced version of opportunities given to guys because you don't have Jonathan Taves as your center that option isn't available um so that's just kind of where I wanted to go with that one I think that's a really good point, Tony. I'll uh, go into nerd speak here on that. His expected goals for percentage will drop no matter what this year, just based on the level of play that the Blackhawks will be at and the absences uh, that we've already mentioned here, especially up the middle. So um, let's move on. Last uh, storyline to keep an eye on. I kind of added this one in um, to the bottom. Ron, you didn't include it in your article. Uh, Obviously wasn't out there on the ice today, but uh, you have to imagine Brent Seabrook is back in this mix at some point. He's probably, you know, he's a gamer. He's rearing to get back. Uh, I'm excited to see physically how Brent Seabrook looks. Bionic Seabs. I mean, hell, he came back not too long after, what, double hip replacement and a shoulder surgery to practice with them before they went off to Edmonton to the bubble uh, back in, you know, end of July, early August. So um, what can he actually do in a game real time? Um, And I want to see if he moves more fluidly, if he can get back to, you know, obviously the speed is it's decreased just with age. That's natural. Um, But remember, he's still a great passer and he's got excellent vision. So um, I will be intrigued to see uh, Bionic Seabs in action. How about you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Seabrook actually might be, I would say, probably of the old school core, probably the player I'm most excited to see. Um, you know, and like you said, reason being he's healthy for the first time. I remember reading the article. Um, I believe it was Scott Powers that wrote it for the athletic. And he was saying, he was like, I couldn't like sit down without pain for like 10 years. He's like, I have never felt this good in my entire life physically. And he was playing at a, you know, an all-star level when he was battling through those injuries. I mean, he is the definition of a freaking iron man. I mean, the dude just doesn't care. So you know, yeah, like you said, obviously age is still there. He's, what, 34 years old, I believe. I think he's a year younger than Dunks, so 34, 35. You know, he's up there in age. The speed's probably not going to be there. But, you know, if he can still show that he can be an effective player, then, you know, it's still not a great-looking contract on the books, but maybe that 6'8 doesn't look as awful anymore if he can at least be a willing contributor and can still, you know, maybe give you 20 minutes a night if you needed him to, to step up in certain situations. So I'm intrigued to see what a healthy Seabrook looks like, you know, taking into account, you know, the, the age regression, but I think, I think it could be a good thing for Seabrook. Maybe it prolongs his career for another three or four years. You never know. Ron, I think the six, eight is going to look ugly no matter what. I think we just have to agree that six, eight is going to look ugly for Brent Seabrook. That's fair. I I just, we, we have to, It, 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 there's, you know, I've got two trains of thoughts here. One, I'm quickly approaching 30, and you're sitting here talking about 34, 35-year-olds, like, losing it. And I'm like, shit, that's me in five years. Fuck, I'm done. And then on the other hand, I'm like, God, he's too old to be playing for the Blackhawks right now. Get him off the ice. So very conflicted feelings going on right now in the uh, in the Marchese basement right now as I kind of analyze what Ron just said. But 
I think Brent Seabrook still plays a role on this team. I kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier, especially as a mentor uh, type for you know Brent, uh, for uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, Adam Boquist, and, and just even anybody who steps through this organization. I mean, this guy's been a leader here for so long. Um, and, and I'm also the same type of person that's going to come out here and say, pay whatever dollar amount to the guy that's going to be a leader, take on the torch, you know, show people the way and, and get a positive impact for your team long-term. But I, I think I'm just more or less looking at him. And I think this is a very basic fan, uh, way to look at this. Somebody who's watched this team through the cup run. Uh, we're all going to be looking at Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, the guys that have been there as kind of the anchors of, of somewhat of the entertainment value for the Blackhawks this year. So, you know, the more that he's on the ice, I know it's going to frustrate people. Why aren't you giving minutes to the young guys? But it's also going to somewhat keep some fan interest level in this team uh, because a lot of people have emotional attachments to these guys and what they've meant to this organization uh, over the past decade. So, uh, I kind of look at it from that. You talk about him extending his career out another three, four years. If those are in an Indian head sweater, man, like I don't think that there's anybody who's going to say completely that they don't want him here because you still have the same memories of him just fucking getting you through that Detroit series. Like you can't take that away. And I think that a lot of people on the analytical side of that, or as Johnny wants to call them nerds, uh, are going to sit there nerds. and say that this is this is bad for the team right now. Uh, but I do think that there there is that emotional attachment that people as fans are going to have to guys like Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. And the longer they play for this team just adds the opportunity for them to feel uh, the same memories that we had back in the, in the glory days, so to speak. I like it. Getting sentimental. You talk about emotional attachment. Hey, I drank some beers with Brent Seabrook. Not saying I'm buddy-buddy with him, but I met to Calvin DeHaan's event uh, back in February before you know, the whole world shut down. Uh, I had some beers with him. He was gracious enough to take a picture with me, give me a fist bump. Um, so I love Seabrook boy, and he still, you know, it was funny. He had his uh, kind of brace on his leg, too, so he wasn't screwing that up while he was uh, drinking beers at the Goose Island Tap Room. Uh, one last thing, though, for on-ice stuff. Um, I think it could be underrated, so maybe something that I'll watch, uh, depending on how much um this prospect gets in um or maybe if it's even in practice or the taxi squad guys um mingling and scrimmaging with the regular team um i feel like he could have a big impact we talk about mitchell boquist sure that's all great but um a guy who maybe not the same style of play but kind of a lengthier right-handed shot defenseman um alec regula um, I'd like to see how Brent Seabrook affects his game and his development. So um, if there's any pointers that are shared that help make Elk Regula a more effective defenseman, um, th- that will be something that I will keep an eye on as well. So um, that about does it for the storyline. Once again, all these topics, minus the Bionic Seeds one, um, were mentioned in Ron Luce's excellent article up at ontapsportsnet.com. Click on the Blackhawks tab. Shouldn't be too far from the top. Should be the top one right now, but as more news comes through, it could push down a little bit. But it's on our Twitter account, too. You can go and find it there. Um, let's move on. Last topic I have for today is Blackhawks at World Juniors. Um, we're getting down to the end of this thing. Semifinals taking place today. Um, Canada just eliminated the Russians earlier uh usa is just getting underway with finland right now um as for how the blackhawks prospects fared there michael tepley um 
he only recorded two assists in five games, I believe. You know, the, the checks had a little bit of a rough go of it. So um, he, after him having five assists in that tournament last year, um, kind of disappointing to see it drop off and not have him find the back of the net. But he did score a pretty goal on the doorstep in one of the exhibition games beforehand. So um, I did enjoy watching Michael Tepley. He was definitely, you know, your top line left winger uh, for that Czech junior team. Uh, Michael Crudel on the back end for the Czechs. Uh, no points over four games. He was suspended one game for slew footing. So uh, good to know we got a little grit back there. Um, do whatever it takes, but yeah, um, the, he he was okay. Um, I would say Crudel. Um, the, there's times where the checks are just overmatched, and you're playing against really fast teams. Um, so you know, kind of kind of at a disadvantage uh, where the checks were. But Michael Crudel, he was a fourth round pick this year, so interesting to see him in action, um, especially when there was no other hockey going on. Um, beyond that, Landon Slaggart um, playing for Team USA. He has no points over five games so far, but I've really liked his game, really liked his jump. Uh, he's aggressive. Um, he did get a 2-10 and ten the other night um, for a hit along the boards, but uh, we talked about guys like Evan Barrett um, being Andrew Shaw type earlier. Landon Slaggart's up that alley, but with a little bit more skill to his game. So um, he's always in front of the net, too. So I've enjoyed watching Landon Slaggart. Um, and uh, like I said, the champion third place in championship games will take place tomorrow. Um, tomorrow being uh, Tuesday, January 5th. Uh, and uh, hopefully Landon Slaggart and Team USA are playing against Canadians for that. Um, you never know. Maybe uh, see him pot a goal because uh, – those depth lines can uh, kind of be a difference maker uh, in nitty gritty games like that. So um, I don't know if you guys got to catch any of it, Tony. I don't know if you did it all, Ron. Uh, I know you're watching some of it <laughs> looking away from the screen right now, but um, do you have any thoughts on any of these guys at world juniors? Yeah, I didn't get to see a ton of Crudel. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't, didn't see enough of him to really say much. I know he and Tepley are both reporting for training camp now with the Hawks too, which is good. So he's, you know, in Chicago, he's working with the team. He's working that was with a quick coaches. turnaround there. I mean, granted, yeah. they were Edmonton, but they're already there today. I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. It was, it was impressive, but Tepley, I mean, he was, he was in and around the net. I mean, the guy constantly had chances. It just seemed like he was snake bitten this year and just couldn't finish on anything. Um, so I'm, I don't read too much into that. He's, he's proven in, you know, in juniors that he can score. So, um, and like you said, he, to me, he looked like their best winger um, more nights than not, uh, at least when I caught some of those check games. And then Slaggart. I really like what Landon Slaggart's been doing. Um, you know, again, no points. That's OK. You know, he just again, he's got that just that balls of the walls mentality. You see it when he's you know skating around. He four checks. You know, he seems pretty defensively responsible for, you know, he's what a freshman at Notre Dame. So he's a really young guy. Like to me, he's he's a good value guy as a you know third round pick. You know, yeah, maybe he's not going to be the next, you know, he's not going to maybe come in and, and give you like a Dominic Kubelik type scoring or something of that nature. But, you know, you need those guys to win games. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's a, you know, a Brandon Sod light type player when it's all said and done. You know, maybe not as much on a scoring side, but just that style of play he can play up and down the lineup. You know, he's not afraid to go into the dirty areas. I'm sure he's going to, you know probably make a, a living in, in both college and, you know, hopefully someday in the pros, whether that's, you know, AHL, NHL, of just being around the net and cleaning things up around the net. I mean, he's a big dude, um, but he moves well for being big too. So I'm actually very impressed with Slaggard. I actually have enjoyed this because this is probably the most I've seen of him. Um, I haven't been able to catch many of the Notre Dame games. So, again, I, I really like what what they seem to have in Slaggart. I think Tepley will be just fine. I'm actually excited to see him do some more stuff. Hopefully he plays in the A this year. Uh, that would be magical. Um, and then, like I said, just Crudel, I just unfortunately didn't get to see enough of him. 
if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know that Ron, now that Brandon Sada is gone, is always looking for somewhere to fill that void in his heart. So God, any, oh, case, man, you, any you comparison stole. that he can make to Brandon Sada. <laughs> I've um, been keeping I, track of <laughs> how many times I've mentioned track. Brandon Sada. You've, you've, you've compared three players tonight on this show to Brandon Sada. And I think that that is going to be the new drinking game for Four Feathers Podcast. Like Every that. time you hear Ron compare somebody to Brandon Sod. Or just Brandon Sod be mentioned in general. By Ron. <laughs> By me, yeah. yeah It'll happen uh, a lot, folks. If you're, uh, yeah, if you're a longtime listener, you know. <laughs> last follow-up I had was that, um, you know, although the checks uh, were eliminated, quarterfinal round, um, all tournament when, you know, besides the game, Crudel was suspended. Uh, Crudel was on the top uh, D playing the right side. And then um, Tepley played the uh, left wing on the first line. So uh, you didn't know those guys were getting, you know, majority of minutes. So they at least got some, even if the production uh, wasn't all there, uh, they at least got some valuable minutes in uh, high competition stakes. So, um, yeah, that's about it. That wraps up uh, World Juniors. And we're getting to the end of the show here. Gentlemen, uh, you got final thoughts before I send her out. Uh, I'm just excited that Blackhawks hockey is back. Uh, January 13th, they dropped the puck. I know we'll all be obviously tuned in, and it's that is appointment television for us here at Four Feathers. So that is going to be a fun one. Um, you know, camp is going to be raising the banner, but it is what it is. Um, I'm just I'm looking forward to a lot of development this season. I'm like to, you know Tony mentioned it's probably going to be a frustrating fucking season, but. Um, you know, as long as <laughs> Johnny's favorite thing, as long as there's some silver linings to this, uh, this season and some of these young guys develop, I think that's at least going to be fun to watch, uh, just kind of in in of itself. Um, so that'll be good, but we're not too far away. Ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're under 10 days. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be good stuff. It's funny that you say that, Ron. I actually, you know, I hate that term usually, and it's been more applied to White Sox in past years, but I actually did. Uh, I was texting my buddy a little bit after the game times came out. We we're trying to plan out a night to get together and watch one early on in the season. But I said, yeah, it's going to be a uh, season of silver linings. Uh, just looking for a little <laughs> small moral victories, anything we can find there. So, Tony, final thoughts? Hey, same thing. I, I, I have to be completely transparent with everybody. This is the least excited I am to watch this team in what feels like forever. Uh, but there's going to be reasons to watch. Uh, there's goalie drinking games pr- brought to you by Four Feathers that you can look forward to. There's going to be a lot of development that's going to take place. What's Andrew Shaw going to be like? Uh, will we get Jonathan Taves back? Patrick Kane alone is a reason to watch a hockey game. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things that uh, are going to be enjoyable still. Uh, they, we're not going to get as many wins as we're normally used to. We're not going to be talking about playoff runs. In fact, we'll probably do our eulogy somewhere halfway along the line. Uh, But definitely going to be reasons to tune in and watch Blackhawks hockey this year. Uh, The one thing that I am hoping that we can do uh, is get back to the UC. Uh, That's going to be, I think, the the pinnacle of the season for me is if – Johnny, Ron, we can take a game in from the UC together because that means that uh, life's getting back to normal and there's nothing like hearing the anthem uh, in the UC and just everything that it is to be at a Blackhawks game. Uh, that's not to say that watching it on TV ain't, uh, ain't the same experience, but uh, if, if you've been to the United Center, you know. And I, I just can't wait to get back there. I think that there's a chance that we can take a game in at some point. Maybe it's later in the season. But I'm going to hold out hope for that because I cannot wait to pay $10 for a fucking beer and sit down (laughs) and just be by you guys 
and meet up, you know, somewhere on the concourse to do a two minute game update, intermission update, and just feel that again for one time. Just feel that again. And the last time I was at a professional sporting event, it was with Johnny. We got to go on the ice and uh, all this happened. And, and here we are talking about all this Hawks rebuild stuff. I think what really matters is that, you know, as fans, we need to be able to get back to our sporting events and, and have a good time and, and enjoy what it is to be a fan of a team. And being at the UC, that's a top-notch experience. I can't wait to get back to that. I'm hoping that happens this year. Got a little bit of hope for it. Can't wait to share beers with you guys at the UC. Amen to that, Tony. I mean, you got you guys took everything, and you know we kind of talked about all these storylines that will be following this year. So, uh, my final thoughts are just uh, directed at the listeners. Um, if you're new to Four Feathers, welcome first of all, and second of all, we do post game shows after pretty much every game. Uh, some of them may be clumped if there's a busy weekend or something, so we'll do two in one. But for the most part, we try to get an episode out after every game, um, You know, kind of a post-game reaction from a fan perspective here. Um, so be on the lookout for those uh, after every Blackhawks game this season, and uh, we'll we'll be there through, uh, through it all with you. It might be rough sometimes, but shit, um, that's what we're here to dig in, dissect, and uh, kind of commiserate over uh, with each other because, you know, you stay together during this, uh, and we'll come out at the end of the tunnel. Um, we'll be your be drinking buddies. Uh, I think it will be eventually. Yeah, we'll be your drinking buddies. How about that? Uh, yeah, so, uh, that about wraps it up. Um, once again, this is uh, stumbling into training camp episode, uh, season two, episode five of the Four Feathers podcast. If you enjoy it, please go and give us a five star rating and review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter for updates throughout the day, in game updates, highlights, memes, all that good shit, and on Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. We are the official coverage unit of the Blackhawks for ONTAP Sportsnet. So go to ONTAPSportsnet.com. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure getting on here talking hockey with you. I'm sure we'll get on one more time before the season officially starts for kind of a preview prediction sort of thing. Um, But then after that, we'll be rolling into post games uh, and maybe get some guests on. So um, help us break those down. Uh, I think it'll be a good season, boys. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Johnny. Always a pleasure, Tony. It'll definitely be a season that we'll watch, and we'll have fun doing it no matter what, Johnny. Yeah, I think we'll make the most out of them, uh, being that there's only 56 games down from 81. Uh, that's one of the things we're going to do uh, to try and make it as enjoyable as possible, make you laugh as much as possible, too. So uh, stay tuned with us here at the Four Feathers Podcast. Gentlemen, that does it. Let's close it down the only way we know how. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.